At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. And we spend a lot of time prepping for archery season, spend a lot of money going to a bow shop, getting new arrows, doing this, doing that, shooting, trying, shooting from our butts, from our knees, uh, doing alpha bow hunting challenge going to total archery challenge mountain fest all these different types of shoots that are preparing us to uh for a difficult skill of archery hunting to make us better hunters try some challenging shots but i know a lot of us that are rifle hunters don't really do that sort of same preparation i have on in this episode dustin coleman from coltec uh cool company here uh move their company here, but still have some, some stuff back East. So he'll dive into that. But anyway, uh, Dustin from Coltec in, on this episode to kind of tell us about one way of preparing for rifle seasons to, to make us a better rifle hunter. So thanks for listening. And if you enjoy and have been enjoying, please leave me a good review, follow, share, whatever. Also follow me on Instagram at Western hunting hub and on facebook western hunting hub may go on twitter i think i am may go on twitter if uh mr elon musk buys it maybe maybe not for the for western hunting hub definitely going to do that for black hills antlers my business so anyway here we go i'll start chatting with dustin All right, today we have Dustin Coleman on the show. Uh, thanks for jumping on the call. Uh, Dustin is the owner of Coltec, and uh, we've got some some things to learn from you about kind of what uh, you've been up to as far as, well, your company, uh, and then also some shooting, yep. hunting simulated competitions and some things that you've learned from there to make you a better Western big game hunter. So welcome actually to South Dakota. I, I also don't want to make this just about South Dakota. We've got people from all over the country, but uh, welcome to South Dakota. Welcome to the show. And uh, if you would introduce yourself. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, I'm a, a new South Dakota transplant, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I own uh, Coltac. My wife and I, we started in our Fair bedroom back in New Hampshire. Um, I'm originally from Wisconsin, but I was out there working for a firearms company uh, and just kind of started this as a side business. Uh, and it grew and grew and took off. And then, uh, you know, trying to find uh, employees to to grow like we needed to. It was getting tough out there. So we started looking around. And uh, Rapid City, South Dakota is the place we landed. And I've been super happy out here. And, it, and it's been fun both uh for business or it's been great for business we've been looking or we've been finding people and growing there and then personally i've really enjoyed it because um of all the uh hunting opportunities that i'm getting out here so it's been it's been really good so far and I've, I've enjoyed it because um you know growing up grew up in wisconsin it's a totally different hunting style and then 
you know, spent a lot of my time out in New Hampshire. Uh, it's a very different hunting style, you know, tree stand hunting. Um, the, you know, some of the things that you use for hunting out here doesn't really apply. Um, so it's, it's definitely pushed me in different areas that I've, I've really enjoyed and liked. And it's all, it's been a new experience. What's been your, your history with hunting? So is is obviously tree stand hunting, like you said, but oh, like what's, what's been your jam yeah. of, of what you like to hunt? Well, I mean, so whitetail, you know, I grew up, grew up in Wisconsin. So, you know, mm-hmm. had a, a little, you know, as soon as I was uh, able to start hunting, you know, obviously doing small game stuff out there and, and whatever, but it, you know, 12 was a, uh, an age where, you know, right a patch, you get to go deer camp with, with your father and, you know, we're going out and, um, shooting, you know, is sitting in tree stands looking for, looking for, uh, that white tail. And, you know, it's usually, uh, it's where, where I was hunting and where our hunting land is at up in Wisconsin, it's Northern Wisconsin. So it's paper mill. Um, yeah, hunting white tail has kind of been my, my thing, but it's always been densely forested, you know, or went out in New Hampshire, it's densely forested and it's mountainous. So like, um, you know, you're hearing the deer before you see them. So, uh, spotting, uh, and stalking isn't a thing just because you have to get so dang close and it's so loud that it's, yeah, it's just a totally different style of hunting. Have you, have you um, made but it since coming out here? I've, I've really, oh, go ahead. no, that's what I was going to ask. Have you headed further West? Kind of what, what's yeah. been, what have you been digging yeah. into here? Right. So, I mean, yeah, I know uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten the opportunity to hunt in other areas besides that as well, just outside my home turf. So, you know, mule deer hunting down in Texas, uh, elk hunting out in New Mexico. Uh, you know, I tried, I tried antelope hunting out here this last fall, archery antelope. Uh, that was a humbling, humbling experience. Um, I was smiling from ear to ear, but I had cactus everywhere, um, trying to crawl through the, trying to crawl through the prairie. So, um, you know, trying to do more spot and stock and trying to do, uh, stuff like that, um, has been a lot of fun and, uh, I, I really have enjoyed the challenge with that as far as trying to get lined up for, you know, the right shot and trying to plan out, you know, watching, watching from afar, you know, a group of animals and trying to figure out, okay, which way are they going, which, you know, where do I need to be in position to, you know, use the wind in my favor you know, try to use terrain because, you know, some of these areas are significantly more open than others, or, you know, it's at least just, uh, less forested. So, you know, trying to use the terrain and and the landscape to your favor. Um, it's been a fun, fun journey, um, over the last several years as I've been able to get more and more, uh, out West. So what's been the, uh, the biggest learning curve thing that, that was the biggest barrier maybe from, you know, you're 12, 12 and on up to into adulthood, starting your business and, right. and everything. But what's been the biggest, uh, biggest learning point for Western hunting? That's been just a little different. For sure. Uh, it's scanning, honestly, looking, you know, sitting down and like, getting on top of a ridge and just scanning and, you know, using a set of binos. I, I, you know, never ever use binos for hunting in Wisconsin or New Hampshire, just because there's no point. Um, so, you know, sitting down using those tools and then having like a method, uh, as far as scanning goes, uh, was something that I've, uh, had to try to figure out over the years. And that's where, these hunting competitions, um, really have, have helped with that. And it's a little bit different because you're usually on the clock. And so there's some, there's a lot more pressure involved, mm-hmm. but, you know, trying to develop a good process and like, all right, I'm going to try to scan these areas. And, and like, I, it was, it was crazy. Um, last fall I was out with a buddy of mine and we were sitting on a ridge, uh, you know, and we were, we were looking for, for whitetail and, you know, trying to sit there and start a, start a grid basically is kind of how this is a method that I'm starting to do more and more of and like stop and watch. And I, I don't even know how to describe it as far as, you know, you watch, like you don't try to focus on one area. You're just trying to focus on the entire view that you're 
that you're looking at and watch for like movements. And I mean, uh, we were sitting there and um, there was a, a deer that you could just barely see the tops of his, he was, you know, over the top of a ridge and you could just see the tines sticking up over the ridge. And it, you know, when he doesn't move, like you couldn't see him, but all of a sudden he would just turn his head just ever so slightly and all, you know, and then it's like, Oh, all right, there we go. That's what we're looking for. And so, you know, that was, uh, something I've that's, never had to do before. And that's, that's a skill that, uh, there are some people who are amazing at it right. and, uh, they you could, you know, they've, they've studied terrain, you know, they've studied the area well enough and they can, they can pick out, you know, that you get an eye for it or the, you know, that, yeah, but it's, but it's an acquired skill. I feel like it's oh, something yeah. that, you know, if you've never done, um, it's something that is, is completely foreign. And I remember, um, you know, the first time out at, at the, uh, NRL hunter match, I, I'm just frantically looking for these targets and don't have a method or a, a, a plan on how I'm going to, you know, scan this area. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, time's up and, you know, you don't even fire a shot. And it's just like, dang, this is something <laughs> I got to work on. And then, you know, um, you know, when I'm out, uh, out scanning, I'll be with some of these people who have grown up out here and they'll pick out stuff. And I'm like, how in the heck did you see that? And once, you know, once you start, once you start, uh, you know, they can, they can hone in on an area. And, and that's actually another, just when you're hunting with a buddy being able to accurately describe an area that you're looking at when you're out looking across this vast area and be like, all right, see that rock that, you know, looks like a, a Volkswagen bus, you know, up at two o'clock above that, you know, it's like just finding ways to start describing. Yeah. And that's where like, even just as you start, you know, if you get up with the same person, you kind of build a vocabulary or a, you know, a way to describe stuff and you learn how to, um, describe an area that you're trying to point out specifically is tough. Yeah. And then if they're an inexperienced hunter, oh my gosh, the, the getting them on looking through a scope and, and that's another conversation, yeah. but getting them through, right. looking through it and seeing, cause it looks 10 times different once you start looking through a scope. Uh, that's a, that's a really interesting thing. I'm glad you brought that up cause, cause I grew up here. So it's, it's a little different than, um, I, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought that would have been one of those things, but it makes, it makes so much sense. Uh, but it also, uh, kind of connects to kind of your business. You said you didn't carry binos, but now it looks like you got a new product in binal harnesses. I yeah. don't, <laughs> pretty, pretty new, but, yeah. uh, talk about cold tech. That's a, um, and before you do that, I want to kind of point out some interesting things we've got, Back in oh, uh, and Colorado listeners are going to know. Beginning of Polis's uh, Governor Polis in Colorado started their Meg pole pulled out and left to Texas. Uh, Kafaru just left Colorado yep. and went to is going to Wyoming. Uh, a big move. Yep. Your company is moving, leaving Delaware and headed to to South Dakota. All for New different. Hampshire. Or sorry, New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. I'm sorry. Um, uh, have never been in that country at all uh went to actually went to yeah. rhode island for the very first time to be anywhere close to yeah. <laughs> the east coast it was a very cool country i loved it right um but yeah. there's uh there's all those companies outdoor industry companies leaving certain areas to a, an area where their business can can thrive uh, and it, it's interesting right. right um I, I will say what's interesting so new hampshire actually business-wise um is a really good state. Uh, technically we took a tax increase, which is hard for some people to believe. Um, we took a tax increase leaving New Hampshire to come to South Dakota, but, um, you know, we're looking at the bigger picture and, you know, the workforce, um, and, uh, you know, how we can grow our company. Um, we're okay with that. Um, but South Dakota is, you know, South Dakota, Wyoming, both tops of the charts as far as being able to run a business, and, and having that ability to, to grow it, um, is, is one thing you'll find reason why we're, we're doing it. Yeah. One thing you'll find in your employees that you hire here for the most part, it's, it's kind of, I know we're Western South Dakota and people from Ohio think it's weird to call us the Midwest, but we are the West Midwest. 
and you get the right. Midwest values, the South Dakota values, and the the people here. Right. Um, when I start first started in Colorado, I almost was getting jobs just because I was from South Dakota. Uh, they knew I worked yeah. hard. I was honest. And you're going to find those kind of people working in that. I'm not trying to, for listeners yeah. trying to sell you on anything here. It's just an interesting conversation that you're going to start seeing and are seeing these companies uh, make some different moves and, and find a fit because it, it works. I mean, are you, right. did you bring yeah. all your, some of your employees, any of your employees? Um, yeah. Would, so we brought, we brought one. Uh, we brought one. And then uh, we've had some others that come out for a little bit to help train and help set up. Um, but, uh, for the most part, everybody stayed back in New Hampshire and is still working. Um, we're still cranking out a ton of product out of there. Um, you know, we are looking at trying to move some more, but honestly, uh, the housing market in Rapid City right now is a little obnoxious, Yep. uh, just like everywhere. But I feel like, uh, Rapid City is, uh, amplified a little bit because of a lot of people trying to, you know, yeah. leave other areas. Uh, it's just causing some kind of high prices and, and, you know, not kind of, it is causing high prices and the real estate market here is significantly more expensive than where our shop is located in New Hampshire. Uh, you know, rural New Hampshire is very different than the coast of New Hampshire. Um, and, uh, it's, it's housing is, is expensive. So just trying to get people to move, it gets to be difficult. Exactly. And so, uh, tell us about kind of what what your company is about, what you what you guys have for products, and and tell us about that. Right. So yeah, so we manufacture um, our own line of sewn uh, shooting and hunting accessories. So uh, you know, we first started with uh, actually our first product was a suppressor cover. Um, you know, I started getting uh, more and more into suppress shooting and wanted a cover, so you know, we we made one and then. Uh, just as like a hobby. And then, you know, I was, like I said, I was actually, uh, working at a gun company. I was working for Ruger firearms out there as an engineer. So, um, I had, uh, some people there, uh, other engineers say, Hey, you know, I'd like one too. So we built a couple more and then put up a small website. Then we started adding bags and pouches and, you know, mainly around competitive long range shooting. Um, just because I was really into it and I still, I really enjoy that. Um, I'm still trying to do as much as possible. Um, but then, you know, I'm also, you know, the whole reason I'm into firearms and the whole reason I'm into competitive long range shooting is because I'm really, I really enjoy hunting more. So, you know, we're starting to do more hunting accessories and trying to do different takes on, on, um, some products that can really, uh, that I find useful while hunting. Um, so yeah, we manufacture everything in our own facilities. We don't outsource, um, manufacturing elsewhere, you know, no, nothing overseas, um, you know, and so. And I was just going to highlight yeah, just that. Trying to build that. I was going to highlight that just a little bit because, right. because I know our listeners really do. And the hunting community community in general really enjoys American made stuff. It's just so many companies, right. they can't do it. There is, it's not an right. economical thing. So those, those of you that have figured that out, how to do, made in America, have your own sewers in-house, creating your own product right there. Uh, I'm sure there's a level of quality control that you have that you can see it as it's made. Um, I'm sure stepping right, right out of your office to see what's going on and and seeing that it's up to your standards. Exactly. And that's, and that, so when we, you know, when we were first growing um, and when we were still in the spare bedroom, we explored you know, have, cause there's, there are some companies who, you know, you can, like, you can outsource manufacturing to even that are U.S. based. Um, and, and we, we explored those, but just the level of quality and consistency and, you know, incoming materials, just using, you know, we really work hard at finding the best materials that all are made in the U.S. as well. And so, um, you know, because we really focused on that quality aspect, uh, we we couldn't find that outsourcing uh, capability, so we're like the heck with it. We're gonna we're gonna do it in house, and then with that, you know, like you said, we can uh, focus on the quality. We we have a lifetime warranty on all of our gear, just because you know when we send it out, we know um, it's it's leaving the best way possible, and we stand behind it. And uh, you know we don't cut corners when it comes to that. So 
um, it allows us that flexibility as far as, um, you know, supporting our customers, coming up with new designs quicker, easier, um, and, and, you know, manufacturing it. But, uh, it is a difficult road because sewing in the U S is a pretty well a dead skill. So, you know, oh, we sure. are, we are training all of our sewers. Uh, most of them have come with, with, you know, they maybe had a home ec class in high school and made a pillowcase one, mm-hmm. you know, some we've actually found, uh, out here in South Dakota, there's, uh, uh, we found, uh, there is some more sewing skill as far as like hobbies go. Uh, We're old but school as far here. As industrial sewing. <laughs> Real. Well, right. And, um, I mean, right. And well, and, um, you know, this corner of the state, uh, has a fairly high, uh, native American population who grew up quilting and beadworking. And so we found some really good crossover skills with that. Oh, um, sure. and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is old school kind of, uh, skills and that's, that's worked really well for us. And we've really enjoyed, uh, that crossover. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good, good experience, but it is, it is a difficult road trying to just make sure we have all the materials in the right places, trying to learn all these, uh, trying to teach all the people, these products and processes. And we've done a really good job, uh, trying to really set up efficient processes and, and we don't shy away from technology. So, We've got CNC fabric cutting machines. We've got CNC stitching machines. Uh, so we try to automate and put technology in as best as we can. But in the end, most of what we do is it's an operator, you know, sitting at a machine, controlling the machine. And, and, you know, and it, we say it takes hand-eye and foot coordination because you're running a pedal at the same time. So it we all we have to build, we call it craftsmen, uh, mm. that – it's it's not an easy process and it takes time. So, um, you know, it's when you when we hire somebody, we really try to find someone who's in it for the long haul and and uh, want to give them those skills. And it's a it's a fun process once you figure it out. I really I, I would have never thought that I would be sewing for a living, uh, but it's it's actually a lot of fun and it's very similar to welding, um, where you know you're taking two different materials and bonding them together instead of using a filler rod we're using thread so um it's just a little bit different in those respects but it's still the same mentality of being able to create and make stuff uh you know as you want yeah exactly and so uh this is a little early in the show but let me just take a quick break and i want to tease you with a little something we've got kind of the heart of the or the meat and potatoes coming with some understanding how some hunting simulations uh, simulated competitions can help you be a better hunter. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know, our products are built right and stand up to everyday use who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors. Log on and shop 24 seven, with super fast shipping, MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Okay, so uh, one thing I was thinking of in preparation for this interview was, this is totally my perspective, and I could be way wrong. It almost seems like there's two kinds of hunters, the gun nuts and those that shoot just enough to know that they're good enough and their skills are where they need <laughs> to be. <laughs> so, um, I reside a little bit more on the, I don't shoot a ton. Um, I've got a, I've got a new gun coming today. Actually, my dad's bringing it. I got a new, new, uh, Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, Winchester model 70, 300 WSM. And, uh, it's, cool. yeah, it is, it is a sweet. Oh, I think you showed me that. I think oh, I did. Me, yeah. 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 Show me the pictures. That, yeah. yeah. It's finally coming. And, um, I got Heck a new, yeah. new suppressor that I haven't even shot yet. Um, 
Okay. I, yeah, and I've got scope mounts sitting on top of my safe I can see right now. And I've got another, I, I just got to figure out scope and everything. But I mean, I'm just not jumping on it. I, I, I'm jumping on shooting my bow, but I'm, I'm just bad like that. And I know a lot of hunters are where we just don't shoot a lot because I was looking at trying to find ammo. Okay, right. now I'm planning now to have enough ammo. That's a whole right. barrier. Yep. Um, but I've got buddies that reload. I used to reload, but I don't have the equipment anymore. Um, and so I'm trying to yep. find that ammo, uh, working on, on acquiring that. And, but also it's 55 bucks a box. If I went through some fa- factory, I'd really right. like Barnes ammo. Um, if I could find it. So uh, after even then with my buddy reloading, it's probably going to be, Oh, I don't know, buck and a half, two bucks around something like that. It, it's not going to probably more, uh, it's not going to be a cheap endeavor. So, a lot of hunters kind of fall in that world of we don't get to hone in on our skills as much. And I'm excited for locally, and maybe it's a coincidence too, that you're, you're here that we've got a brand new gun range coming as soon as the funding figure gets figured right. out, it's going to be top yeah, notch <laughs> really. And, and I would think that would help your, help your business a little bit. Um, yeah. But, oh, I think when, uh, what that's going to bring to the area is going to, uh, significantly help the business and just the shooting, you know, community as a whole here, because I, uh, have gone out to Beretta road twice and I don't think I'll ever go back. Cause it's pretty sketchy. It is. Yeah. And I haven't ever gone there. I've got another place. I'll tell you later. Um, that's a lot better, uh, that I take a lot of my, my new hunters the one out in Keystone. Yeah. Yep. That yeah. Area. I think I know with military, yeah. whatever, uh, yep government yeah. field um that's been kind of nice field, that's what, yeah. but even then even the last year that i've used it it is getting trees getting shot down uh just more bullet holes in this and that and more litter more road traffic uh, where there's not supposed to be Ugh. more it, it's just yeah. blowing up and i know our our gun range is highly contentious and having some some political issues and not getting the funding and it slowly is it's, it's getting it. Um, but it's, it's just going to take a little bit more time. The groundbreaking is going to take a little bit longer, but man, it's going to be awesome to have a place to go just to shoot and to shoot more than a hundred yards and shoot out to like 1200 or something like that. Not that I need to do that. Um, I've kind of heard just recently, I was listening to a podcast that, that, uh, right about that zero to 600, is where a lot of hunters can can be really proficient and past that then you really yep. get really get into the windage and the um having to have a system right. that's dialed uh and so yeah you you've been yep. digging into this this uh these hunting simulated competitions and it's funny that you say that cuz i've seen more and more in the archery world i compete in them uh, alpha bow hunting challenge yep. um total archery challenge uh there's a new one um that's got some more fitness added to it down in Denver area. Uh, all, all of those little things, they're simulating that and bridging that gap between the competitive shooters and the hunters. So tell us a little bit about these, this, uh, competition. I watched a little video today, just about what it's about. Uh, but tell us about what that one is. So yeah, NRL hunter matches, is the ones that I'm, uh, most familiar with, there's some other ones out there, but it's, uh, matches that are intended to try to simulate, hunting scenarios and they're all over the country mainly out here in the west but they try to uh, build the competitions for likely scenarios that you would see within that area that that the competition's in so um you know the stages they're a stage is uh they're called blind stages so you don't know where the targets are at before you get up there you don't know the scenario before you get up there um so when it's your turn uh, you walk up to the, the shooting area and uh, the range officer will sit there and say, all right, between this point and this point, usually it depends on who's setting up, but they usually give you like a left and right bounds as far as uh, that goes. There's four targets out there and you have four minutes. Um, and so uh, you start, you set down your gear, you start scanning and you try to find the four targets. Um, and after you find the targets, uh, you have to get the ranges yourself, you know, and then uh, go ahead and engage them. And the way how it works is uh, if you shoot at a target and you hit it the first time, you get two points. Uh, 
and then you move on to the next target. If you miss it uh, and hit it the second time, you get one point. And if you miss both times, you just move on to the next target. So it really tries to uh, push first round impacts and uh, you know, that, that type of shooting. Uh, And then, you know, so the big thing, it's that scanning that I was talking about and trying to just locate targets and figuring out your dope and then engaging the targets. And usually there's some sort of, uh, uh, obstacle or, and I, or, uh, you know, some sort of natural terrain that you're going to use to try to build your shooting position off of too. So, you know, you have to be kind of strategic and you have to think on the clock, um, which, uh, helps, which has helped me as far as, uh, you know, okay, I found the targets. Now what's the best way to build my shooting position for a, a stable shot out at those distances? And, um, and like you, you know, said, it, it's it, timed. It, so it's quick. And right. then, and then you're also, right. you're on the landscape. So paint the, so folks right. know you're not sitting on a bench or near a bench. This is like out in some rolling no, hills. No, you're out. Yeah, exactly. You're on hills. You're on the edge of bluffs. You're, you know, wherever that, you know, area is, um, you're using the terrain. And so, you know, you're looking for targets and sometimes in groups of trees, sometimes it's out in a prairie, but even so, you know, they, a lot of time, you know, these targets are steel targets. Uh, and so they're naturally gray and so gray blends in really well with a lot of different terrain. So they can be just finding the targets alone can be difficult. Uh, and then once you do find them, figuring out how you're going to shoot it, because sometimes you know, they'll they'll intentionally put it so uh there's a weird tree in the way and so now you have to try to you know figure out all right how am i going to set up so i can actually take this shot and um for me it helps build kind of my i, I want to say library of scenarios so that way um you know if i am out hunting all of a sudden okay here's here's a you know an elk walking through this area that uh is within my distance that i feel comfortable with all right, this is how I can set up, uh, you know, I can use my pack and lay it this way and then, you know, try to build a, a shooting position. Tripods, um, you know, are really uh, becoming, like, for me at least, I, I always go out with my tripod now. So, like, making sure I can use my tripod in a quick and efficient manner because, uh, you know, the, the animals aren't going to wait for you out in real life. So I really try to build in, especially when I'm on the clock, uh, try to build in, like I mentally put myself in a position, uh, that says, okay, this is a real situation. And I even try to, uh, you know, even when it comes to just being quiet, uh, you know, uh, I'll sit there and uh, I remember the one time I, I was at one of the stages and all of a sudden I'm clanking this, uh, this tripod around and I'm like, you know, I'm telling myself, dude, like, stop. Uh, you can't, yeah. you know, if this was real, like they'd be, they'd be long gone. So like it, it, you can, you can apply it however you want. And I'm not, I, I will say I'm not good at these. I'm not good at the matches, but <laughs> I'm pushing myself and I'm learning, right. I'm learning these skills. And, and then, so that way, um, you know, I'm, I'm gaining the confidence and, and like I said, that library of, uh, skills. So that way when it does matter, I, I feel confident in, you know, I feel confident both whether uh, I should take that shot or whether or not, you know what, this is beyond my, my skill level. Uh, you know what, we're going to try to get into a different position. So it is within um, my, my area that I feel comfortable with. So, you know, I think that's just knowing what you're capable of is really uh, important. Um yeah, because if when you're getting out in the field, because like the long range, long range hunting crowd, you know, like there's always this kind of controversy as far as like what's, you know, what's considered long range hunting, and sometimes people say, oh, that's not an ethical shot, you know, and and you know, or they try to set a standard like, oh, you know, anything it can't be over 400 yards, or like you know, like you said, 600 yards, you know, you, there's no scenario that's over 600 yards that you can. And I, I think it really, um, uh, it's it's a very personal standard and you as a hunter, I feel like needs to be able to take in good conscience that decision, whether or not it's within your skill set. And there's so many different variables that can all play into this, whether, 
you know, the terrain, your shooting position, wind, the light, you know, there's, uh, so many different variables that you can't just set a hard fast at, at 600 yards. Anything beyond 600 yards is, is unethical because there's some days when you have a 20 mile an hour crosswind that's gusting, you know what, a 300 yard shot might be, uh, unethical. And, and so just knowing where your capabilities lie, uh, is really important Yeah, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And I kind of can see the, or I absolutely can see some of the, the benefits of this is just practice. You're getting, you're getting practice right. out in the field experience that a lot of hunters get one time for about 30 seconds to a minute a year. If, right. if they're lucky to, to get on a deer or elk or whatever. Uh, and that's what I see with new hunters is that target acquisition trouble, the ranging, like ranging is not even a thing for them. Uh, they got to have someone else do it. Right. Um, the pressure that's, that's there, the, your heart rate, yep. um, understanding even what uh, your capabilities are, like you just said, knowing what your right. effective range is. So it's just like elk hunting where you can hear elk talking all day long, but if you don't know what they're saying and you don't have that field experience, you're going to really struggle to hunt, hunt elk and call in an elk. Right. But if you have that field experience with shooting, um, you can acquire your targets. You can get on them a little quicker. You can range them or estimate the range if you had to be able to know how to deal yep. with pressure because you've practiced it, uh, and be more confident. So totally see the, the benefits right. and the value there of it's just straight up practice, but in a, a way that right. I think will motivate people. Uh, the alpha bow hunting challenge is one of those that it motivates me. It's like, okay, it's go time. Got to get, got to get my heart rate up every day. I got to do work out a little bit so I can do this physical activity while shooting a bow, uh, a pack race, and then, um, be able to shoot under pressure. That's one of those. It's that same right. thing. Well, and that's, yeah, go yeah, on for sure. And that's, uh, well, and that's the thing is uh, most, uh, hunters, like you said, you know, they get to experience this once, maybe twice a year, sometimes less where, you know, if you shoot, you know, one of these matches, a lot of times they are two day matches and, you know, there's 10 stages, uh, a day. So, you know, you're talking 20 different scenarios over a weekend where, you know, you kind of build that, uh, that confidence level and understanding of your own capabilities and just practice that so so then when you are uh you know trying to get into that uh you know actual hunting scenario it's not foreign to you and you've already experienced those types of environments and and scenarios and it's not you, you know just having those skills is important what's the uh what's the gun requirements is it guys carrying around target guns or is it is it guys with hunting rifles so well that's so that's what uh, what I really like about the at least the NRL Hunter matches. Uh, there is a weight limit. Uh, there's a light class that's under 12 pounds, and then a open class that's under 16 pounds. Um, and then there's a power factor too. So you have to take the the bullet weight times the velocity, and it has to equal at least 388,000. So it prevents people from, you know, so regular I call it race gun matches um, that are you know PRS or NRL matches where you know you're shooting a 26 pound six millimeter dasher round that you know, has no recoil. Those get thrown out at these hunter matches because you can't, you can't do that. Um, so it sits there and uh, there, yeah, there's a weight limit and there has to, it has to be basically a hunting type caliber. So there's some recoil involved, recoil management, you know, and that's something, you know, that is an, another important skill is, you know, okay, you take the first shot, how do you get back on target in a, in a quick and efficient manner to, to be able to, you know, re-engage the target if you need to, um, you know, that's a really important skill to have that if you don't practice it, um, you can't read it in a book, uh, you know, you, the only way to get that is, is through practice. So, um, what's the time, Yeah. The, uh, what's the time limit on, oh, you said four targets. So it's four targets and it's four minutes. So, um, you know, usually I try to, um, mentally set a timer for myself where I start looking for these four targets. And if I don't find them within, if I don't find all, you know, if I don't find them within the first 
if I don't find all of them within the first two minutes at like halfway through, I just drop down and I'll engage the targets that I can see. So at least you're trying to get some points, um, you know, and then, so engage the ones you can't see and then move on to, you know, scanning again, because it's pretty common, and especially for me, uh, because I didn't have those skills as far as scanning goes, like those first couple stages, I got zeros because I was just sitting there frankly looking and maybe I found three out of the four targets, but I was still looking for that fourth one and then time's up and you get zero. So, um, you know, huh. that's a little bit of the game is, you know, trying to figure out how much time you spend looking versus shooting, um, you yeah. know, and, and getting an understanding for that. And so, where, where do these, these competitions range from? You said in the West mostly, but where, where are some of those? those yeah. At? So, um, you know, in May, there's one down in Laramie. Uh, there's several, out, there's a couple out in Montana. There's one out in Colorado. Uh, Arizona had one a couple weeks back. Um, there's one out in Nebraska and Iowa. So, you know, I would say, I, I think Iowa is the furthest east it goes. They had one in California. Uh, Washington usually has one. So, yeah, NRL Hunter, if, if you Google NRL Hunter, uh, there's a list of matches there. And then beyond that, there's other ones that aren't associated with the NRL that are just, um, you know, put on by, by individuals, not an organization necessarily. Um, but uh, they can... Uh, there's usually Facebook groups that talk about them. So, uh, so you know, they, it, there's, there's other ones besides that, but the NRL Hunter, the NRL Hunter matches, it's a whole series. And so people are competing throughout the year. And then there is a finale and the finale is in uh grand junction at cameo shooting at the cameo shooting complex. And, uh, you know, last year, the winner, uh, there's usually a prize, there's prize money involved. And then, uh, it was a, all expenses paid African safari. Um, oh, so geez. like there's some real prizes involved. Yeah. Um, I know the guy who's going, uh, I shot, I shot one of the matches with him, really good guy. And he's, uh, getting ready to go this summer out to, uh, <laughs> the guy who won it. He's going out to Africa this summer on a safari. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool to, uh, you know, I, I use it to learn more skills about myself, but then, you know, and I, I'm not gonna lie. I like competing and I like trying to beat people, but it's a good way to just kind of compare your skills and, you know, see where you're at with other people. What's attractive to me is the, the hunting setup. Like I was even discussing bullet weights yesterday. It's like, I don't even want a different bullet yep. weight for shooting deer versus elk. I want one setup. And I'm a, I'm a one yeah. bow kind of guy. I'm a one gun kind of guy. This is my gun. I had a new gun, new scope last year on a gun, and it kind of screwed me a couple of times because I didn't know yeah. it. Uh, dial got turned, right. and I wasn't used to it. It wasn't my typical gun. I upgraded from this piece of junk Cabela's scope that I bought on a whim because it was in the middle of the season and I, I needed something now, and I didn't have a lot of money then. Well, that stupid Cabela's scope shot so much stuff. The clarity was garbage. That it just was the worst scope ever, but I shot so much stuff with that gun and that, and that scope <laughs> that it just was like, why, why should I change it? But now with a nicer scope on there, I just got to learn it, spend some time with it and, uh, I'll, I'll be way more confident with it. And, and now I guess a new gun here that I'm coming that I got, which is going to be a bigger learning curve because I've been shooting that one 30 right. odd six since I was 15 and now I'm going right. to, now I'm going to switch calibers, switch everything. Uh, I suppose I need a little time on the, uh, behind the gun. So what, what are some of those things that, right. uh, some practice things that, that folks can do competition or not to prepare for the competition right. or prepare for hunting that, that you found to be pretty valuable. Right. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, uh, for all the competitions that I, I try to do more and more. And I, I, I will admit, I don't do it enough, but it's just dry firing and building shooting positions. So, um, you know, I obviously make sure your firearms unloaded and, you know, pointing in a safe direction, but sitting there and, uh, you know, trying to set up so you can find ways to be able to shoot off of, you know, the, the 
fence posts that you have maybe in the backyard or, you know, the railing that that's going across your deck. Um, you know, try to find a way to build a position where you're laying down prone, but using your pack as a, as a shooting rest, uh, and then, you know, dry firing, figuring out where that trigger breaks and watching in the reticle, you know, how your crosshairs move as that trigger breaks and just getting used to that sort of, um, you know, uh, mentally playing the game, like, okay, there's an animal out there. How am I going to set up, you know, and, and try to just, uh, build that shooting position, get a stable shot and then, and just watch it. And it, you know, that's free that, you know, it doesn't take any ammo. Right. It doesn't take any, uh, you, you can do that pretty much anywhere. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it really helps me. And I, and there's a lot of other people who, who do that same type of shooting or dry firing practice to, to sit there and get, get that, uh, those skills set up. Oh yeah. And I thought of another, another little tip just a second ago about just like target acquisition, something that, that I heard right. Remy Warren talk about with target acquisition is elephants and mice. Look at the hillside, look for the elephants. Then you come back and find the mice. Something trying to yep. find those things that stick out first, I would assume for a competition to be that same thing. Okay. There's no, target number one. Right. I see it. Okay. There's that. Now I'm going to pick out the, pick the ground apart a little bit more, try and find that, that next one. Yep. And, and I'm going to test myself here this weekend. I'm, finally going to go on a nice little shed hunting trip and I am telling myself to sit down. I have a hard time doing it to glass a little bit, <laughs> to tear some ground apart yeah. with my binoculars. I'm, I'm really bad at cause I'm not patient and I know I've already got right. spots in mind where tripods coming, binos are going to be attached to it and I'm going to sit there and, yeah. and look at it from different yep. angles to find those elk antlers. So that target yeah. acquisition yeah. Yeah, it's. I I can see where that's a. It is a learned skill, and it just makes it practice. Right, and then and then, like I said too, uh, you know, if you're out with somebody, work on trying to find ways to accurately describe what you're looking at, and you know, practice that because that's if you're shoot if you're hunting with a buddy, like just being able to communicate uh, clearly is also a skill that takes a little bit of practice because sometimes. You know, it's so easy. You can see it right in front of you, but trying to explain it to someone else, and especially if you're out with an inexperienced person, trying to explain, you know, you'll sit there and say, oh, you know, that, that uh, sagebrush that's over there, you know, they're, what, they're, you know they'll sit to be like, what, what's a sagebrush, you know? And so just trying to find different ways to describe locations is, an, is another thing that is, is a skill that you can work on on your own, or you can work on at least with somebody else, but... It, and just keep trying to build your skill set. So that way when the time comes, you can actually perform. So what let's connect this more to Western hunting. Uh, obviously the range is different having to shoot a little further and acquire the targets. Yep. So we've talked about that, but what are some of the, the, the connections there that this is how these things have had this practice has helped you be a better Western hunter. Well, I mean, so target acquisition for sure has been uh, something that, I, I, I would say I'm very similar to you as far as not having much patience and trying to just look, I'll just, you know, I'm used to walking through rows of trees and all of a sudden something jumps up at 25 yards and you do a quick offhand shot. Um, so, you know, that, uh, sitting down, looking, glassing, trying to understand the, what's out there in front of you and picking out those details has been really important. And then because distances are further, um, building stable shooting positions because at 50 yards, you're shooting offhand. I mean, there's, you don't need to uh, do anything too crazy, but right. uh, you start going, you start going out the further you go out, that stable shooting position is extremely important. Um, so just, uh, you know, really building that library basically of, of ways to attack different positions, you know, and it, you know, obviously shooting prone is the most stable position you can have, but there's a lot of scenarios where prone doesn't work. Right. And, you know, standing, standing works in almost everywhere, but you usually can't get so you can't get stable enough. So, uh, as far as, you know, your elevation. So trying to find different ways to, to do that has been, um, you know, really, 
important for me out here that I never had to do in, you know, my previous hunting experiences. Right. So any other, uh, any other shooting tips, things that you've, you've learned before we kind of wrap uh, and things I will up? Say, you you kind of touched, you kind of touched on it there too, as far as, um, sometimes people play the gear race. And I, I don't know, if somebody oh, yeah. sells gear, I probably shouldn't say this, but, <laughs> but like, you know, I want you to buy all the gear there is, but truly some people get caught up in, I need to have this new widget. I need to have this. And, and I'm a, 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 I fall victim to this as well sometimes, but I think, you know, the biggest thing is just getting used to the equipment that you have is more important than finding the, you know, the next new reticle that's out there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's. It's more about understanding your equipment and your capabilities than it is, you know, having having this new whiz bang tool that's going to solve all those problems according to the sales brochure. Right. So um, it, I I went through that uh, period where you know there was like I don't know five years where when when I was working for Ruger uh, I had access to all sorts of different guns, but there was like five or six years there where every year I was using a different rifle um, and it was fun and all, but I, uh, I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years now. I've, I have, I have a six, five PRC that I built that is, I, I am fitting it really well. You know, like I understand that rifle. I know how it shoots. I know how the, you know, the scope works. I understand how the reticle works and I understand the dope with it. I've got, I've kind of got a system built. That's all built around that. And, uh, just practicing with that. So that way I'm not, constantly trying to learn something new right so i don't know how guys do yeah, that with multi- say, multiple bows like they got their antelope bow and their their elk bow i say screw it i got one bow right. <laughs> i'm taking yeah well that's i i got into uh i got back into archery uh this last year i did it in high school and then you know was in the military moved around then went out to new hampshire and everywhere else i've ever lived rifled ear tags were over the counter. So I was just doing that. Um, you know, when I came out here, this is the first place I've lived where you know, rifle deer tags are a draw. And so I was like, well, heck I can't, I can't not shoot a deer. Right. Um, so I'm like, oh, I guess we're getting back into archery. And, and so, um, that was a fun, uh, fun experience. And like I said, archery antelope, my goodness, that was, uh, humbling. And I, I was dragging at the end and was not successful, but I had a really fun time. Like that was, that was a game of chess there. We could get, you know, we'd see a group of antelope and we could get within 125 yards and sure enough, one of the does would spot us and alert everybody. And there they go across the prairie and gone. But, you know, so trying to find ways to outsmart them, but there's my goodness, they, uh, they can see, and there's nothing, there's nothing out where they're at. So there's nothing to hide behind. Yeah. And what was, I guess what was really frustrating is, especially with archery, um, you know, like you could get within 125 yards, they'd get up and they'd run to 200 yards and they'd stop and look at you. So it's like, well, if I had a rifle, you guys would all be dead, yep. but that's not the game we were playing. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, archery is, archery was fun. And I, I shot a, I shot a, a decent buck for me out here in the, in the black Hills, um, this fall. And, you know, it was, again, you know, I was watching him for a while, uh, trying to time him out and plan it out. And, uh, you know, when the time come, it, it was, it was a really fun experience that I, uh, you know, I've shot enough gear with a rifle that like my heart rate doesn't get racing, uh, like it used to, but bringing out the bow and getting that close, uh, I will say it was almost like, you know, I remember when I was a little kid shooting my first deer. Yeah. And I'm a, I remember I, you know, I like, I let the arrow go and I, you know, it was a great shot it hit just right. And I saw him running away and I, I, you know, I, I knew I made a good shot cause I could see like, the blood just dumping. But you know that I, I remember after I was done, I was sitting there, I was shaking so hard because it's just like that adrenaline rush was just pouring in. And I was like, I, I was smiling from ear to ear because I hadn't, I hadn't experienced that in a long time just because I'm so used to, you know, rifle hunting and you, you know, further distances. And um, so it was a good, it, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, what uh, new products do you have? What uh, are popular? What's oh. what? What do you got in in store this spring? And um, what what should people be looking out for? Right. 
Well, so yeah, we're, we're constantly innovating new stuff. Um, both for kind of, we do a fair amount for the tactical and long range competitive shooting. You know, we do a lot of government and military work, uh, as far as that stuff goes, but for the hunting side, um, you know, we've got some really cool products that, um, yeah, we've got a new version of the, the vinyl harness coming out. That's going to be, uh, I think it's, it's really unique and it's using a, a really cool closure system that is, I've never seen any, no one else is using. Um, it's our only, you know, we're the only ones doing that. And, um, you know, I'm trying to really go with, the uh, more minimalist, uh, designs where I, I'm trying to pare down my equipment and having ways to keep it, uh, organized. And I bring what I need and nothing else because, I, uh, you know, especially tree stand hunting, you know, you'll walk half mile, a mile, maybe to the tree stand. And then you just sit there all day. Mm-hmm. So you can bring more gear. Um, but when you're out here and you know, you're trying to, I cover some ground and uh, bringing, bringing, you know, all these extra little widgets like I, that I don't use, um, was kind of silly. So I'm really trying to find just efficient ways of gear management. So we've got some, some products that are coming along that are going to help with that. And, um, you know, it's all stuff that, uh, myself and we've got some other people that we work with, uh, you know, that come up with suggestions that are using the stuff and, and try to come up with unique solutions to those, to those problems that we see. One issue I see, and you may be all over this, but is range finders. I have never found a place where I like to have my range finder. Um, mine gets destroyed because it is the string around my neck and it sits on top of my vinyl harness. Uh, I've ditched yep. two or three <sighs> different regular belt belt ones um, because it needs yep. to be right there and I need to lift it there, lift it. And I would be really interested in a solution to that. I don't right. Know, I, so, um, yeah. Are you, are you talking more for archery situations or for rifle situations? Uh, archery. Um, archery. Cause so think, like minimal movement, okay. minimal sound and quick. Right. So yeah, we, um, we have, we're working on something along those lines. Um, but again, like we're, we want to be creative and, yeah. uh, you, you know, with us manufacturing, we also have to be efficient with the design just because, you know, labor is expensive and we could design some great whiz bang product. That's, you know, 300 bucks that no one wants to buy. And mm-hmm. I, so there's some limitations that we have to put on, yeah. but I will say for the rifle side, I have, uh, switched over to the vortex fury, uh, binos which you know they're it's an awesome set of binos it's and it has applied ballistics in it so it's a range finder ballistic solver and binoculars all built into one Hmm. um so you the glass i will say um there's better glass out there but having all that into one unit has been a really big help uh so i you know pull up the binos i see the target i hit the button and it tells me exactly what i need to dial on my rifle and so i it and I hear takes that a lot of that guesswork out. The target acquisition on those is unbelievable. I got a buddy that that has them. It just can range yeah. way out there and hit it <laughs> easily. Not like my yeah. it, Vortex Ranger, which actually kind of stinks at times. It, it struggles to to yeah. to range, especially on black, darker hillsides. Yeah. Unless there's, I got a rangefinder for... technology. Yeah, over the last couple of years has really made some huge, huge gains and. Um, yeah, I really enjoy those, um, those binos because, uh, yeah, you just point and click and then you, it, you, you know, dial up 2.4 mils and, you know, center the target and, and go. And, and, and again, that's where shooting these competitions, you start building the confidence in your gear too. So, you know, like, okay, I just laid that and knowing that the, you know, your gear is performing the way you expect, um, it's, it's a nice place to be able to try and learn and understand what, what you can do. So, um, I've re- for rifle, uh, hunting, uh, those have been helpful, but archery, they're a little bit bulky. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you, you know, plug, plug the business, plug where people can, uh, find all your, your stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, our website, uh, com. Um, is we keep everything there. We've got 
Um, we do a lot on Instagram and Facebook as well. So if you want to check out what we're working on, we're always posting on there. Um, we did release uh, a new product today, actually. Um, uh, it is a little unique, but it is the cat carrier from Coltac. Um, and if anybody doesn't know what the date is, they need to look at their calendar. Um, so that's, that's, uh, uh, <laughs> released on April 1st this year. Got it. Um, so yeah. Uh, but no, so yeah, go to our website. Uh, if you're local to this area, we, you know, we have our shop here in Rapid City and in New Hampshire, both have stores that you can walk into. And what I like about our stores is you can see the production floor as well. So you kind of, you can see where the gear is made, how it's made, the people who are behind it. Um, so, you know, swing in, stop in there and uh, check us out. Awesome. Well, Dustin, thanks so much for coming and sharing some, some info and, and a few hunting, shooting tips. Yes. Well, I appreciate it. And yeah, look forward to doing this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we'll let you get back to your day. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.